Good morning. Welcome to uh, St. Louis Crossing Online. We're glad that you're joining us this morning with our message uh, of biblical characters. Today we're going to be looking at biblical manhood through the biblical portrait of the life of Enoch. Would you pray with me? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my wisdom and my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, thy treasure thou art. May I reach heaven's joy, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Lord, as we pray those words of the song to you, I pray that those would echo through our hearts this morning, that as we look to Enoch, we would see a vision of you and what life looks serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who's the oldest person? Many of you are going to say Methuselah, and that would be understandable, 969 years, but he would be the oldest person that had lived and died. The oldest person in the Bible is our biblical character today. It's a little bit of a trick question, but Enoch was one of only two people that actually didn't experience death. So as we do, we take the Bible literally as we see here in Genesis chapter 5, and we see that Enoch uh, was born, but he never died. And so in essence, he's still living today, and he is still the oldest living person today. But I have a, a trivia question for you, and kids, uh, this would be a great question for you. There are two people in the Bible that did not experience death. I give you the first one, Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. But do you know who the other person is? The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed once for man to die, then after comes the judgment. But for whatever reason, God saw fit to give us two exceptions. Kids, have you been looking up or maybe you've asked mom and dad? The answer to that question is another E, Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, it says that, Behold, chariots of fire and of horses separated the two of them as he was talking, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind. This morning we're not talking about Elijah, but rather Enoch. And the message outline is very simple. It's very simply, Enoch walked with God, Enoch witnessed for God, and Enoch went to God. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 5, just a couple of verses there. Let's read God's Word together. When Enoch lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he followed Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then in verse 24, one of the strangest verses in the Bible says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, 
for God took him. What does it mean to walk with God? When I think of walking with someone, I think that it indicates some type of relationship. It indicates the, a, a bit of intimacy. In other words, you have to be, if you're going to go on a long walk with someone, you're going to be in relationship with them. It's going to be a time of intimacy. And Enoch walked with God, the Bible says, 300 years. Now that would indicate that there was a deep amount of intimacy in the relationship. So we could assume, or we could imply from scriptures, that Enoch loved God. And I think that's very important because when Jesus asked, or when it was asked to Jesus, what are the first two commandments, or first important commandment, Jesus said to love God and love others. And here we see Enoch falling deeply in love with God and his relationship with God. That term walked with God is only used four times in scripture. Two of those times is here with Enoch. Do you know the others? Not very few, not very far down the road in Genesis chapter 6, we see Noah walked with God. So Enoch and Noah, and by the way, they're related. And then in Malachi chapter 2, Levi, the true priest, the ultimate priest, also, as we are told, walked with God. So again, I bring us back. What does it mean to walk with God? Uh, a man that I've been quoting a lot, Dr. Joe Beakey, uh, president of the Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, helps us understand that. I'm going to use a couple of his insights. He says to walk with God means to walk by faith, delighting in the company of God. I believe we may know more about Enoch than we realize. If you would go back to Genesis chapter 5 with me, we see in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, after he had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And then the Bible says Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for 300 years. It's interesting. I, I, the birth of that child, or the, this may be his first child, by indications it would be, those kind of life events changes our focus with God. And so ever how God worked that out, something happened, potentially the birth of his son, and God saved him. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleasing having pleased God. And if you read with me in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. In other words, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, we see that it's, it's the testimony of Enoch's saving relationship with Christ. This is when he's born again. This is when he comes to relationship with God. 65 years of life, he has a son, and he comes into this relationship with his heavenly Father. We know that's true because in Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you are saved. It is for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Enoch was a saved man. He was saved exactly the way we are saved, by faith. Now, faith isn't something we conjure up, but rather it's something God initiates and gives to us. Ephesians, it's a gift. 
And we exercise faith by our repentance and belief. And when Enoch has come to saving faith to God, we see that his life, his walk became consistent and persistent with God. He was becoming familiar with God. He was walking in this unbroken fellowship with God. The Bible says for 300 years, can you imagine, for 300 years, Enoch was walking in harmony with God. Each day I thought about that 300 years and I thought what that would mean. And I, I came to this conclusion that each day as he was walking, Enoch was grow, drawing closer and closer to the Lord. He began to know the Lord more and more. And with each passing day of those 300 years of his walk with God, he, it became sweeter and sweeter. In other words, God became his chief delight. That's what happens when we walk consistently and persistently with God in unbroken fellowship. He becomes our chief delight. It wasn't too many years ago, a couple years ago, I shared with you as a church family that there was a song on the radio and it was talking about Jesus getting sweeter and sweeter with each passing day. And the Lord really seemed to convict my heart. That, is, is that true, Tim? Is, or am I becoming sweeter to you? And at that time, it really wasn't. And maybe in this time that we find ourselves in, you don't know if your relationship with God is getting sweeter and sweeter. I, I, I have to think of this song and it popped in my mind about one of a guy I love to hear sing is Fernando Otega, and he, he sings a song called Give Me Jesus. And I believe this would be the theme song of Enoch, the theme song of a man walking by faith with God in a saved relationship with God who was delighting in God. And, and I, I won't read you the whole song, but I will bring a few excerpts of the song, and I'll, it's going to be included in the Sunday link with the message but Fernando sings, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And then the second stanza, it says, when I'm alone, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And then the third line or stanza of the song these words we find, and when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Fernando Ortega is singing about a man or a woman whose chief delight is Jesus. Is he your chief delight this morning? I want that to be my theme song. As a matter of fact, I, I, I thought about when I, when I die, when I come to the very end of my life, can I say, when I die, just give me Jesus. To walk with God by, doesn't only mean by faith and delighting in God. To walk with God is to walk with God by obedience, determined to go all the way with God. Amos 3.3 is interesting. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? In other words, when you walk with someone, you have to go in the same direction. 
It's kind of hard to walk with somebody in the opposite direction. I was thinking about walking with my, with my grandkids or when the girls were little. And, and when you're walking with a the kid, they see something over there and they, they want to pull you in that direction or pull you in this direction. And that's not what we're talking about when we're walking with God. We're talking about walking in lockstep with God. In other words, we are looking to walk in obedience with God. The Lord's precepts marked the path for Enoch. That's the image that we see in Malachi 2.6 as it describes uh, Levi. It, the Bible says he walked with me in peace and uprightness. What did Jesus say about walking with him? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. You will follow me where I go. Enoch went where God went. He followed God's leading. As you may know, I've been working through the 23rd Psalm and the daily emails. And one of the things I seem to, to understand that's being strongly communicated in that psalm about shepherding and sheep is following the shepherd's voice is vital for the health and the well-being of the sheep. Let me say that again. Following the shepherd's voice and leading is vital for the sheep's health and well-being. If I may probe just a minute, are you following the shepherd's leading this morning? Do you have your eyes fixed on the shepherd as he leads you in the paths of righteousness? We live in uncertain times, and I've just come to conclude that every generation has some form of uncertainty. Every person will go through a time in their own life, whether it's the old world as we are now or in their own personal life, where things are unclear. There will be times that you may not even see the path. There's probably going to be a time in your life, if you haven't experienced it, you will experience it, where you can't even see the shepherd. And when you're on that path and you can't see the shepherd, one of the things that you need to do and that every sheep knows is you can listen for his voice. You just need to follow his voice obediently. Or maybe some of you are begrudging the shepherd's leading in your life. I've had a few conversations with some folks like this. They're just upset where God has them. They don't like the path God's chosen for them. I, I see that in my own life from time to time. I've definitely seen it in my own life in the past. But the truth is, we're talking about biblical manhood and womanhood. To be a biblical man is to be obedient men to the Lord's following. It means, men, when you man up, you are manning up saying you're going to be obedient to the Lord no matter where he goes, no matter how hard it's going to be, no matter what the path looks like. There's no question you're going on with God to walk with God not only means to walk with God by faith and obedience, but to walk with God means to walk by holiness, detesting anything that moves us away from God. We may think that was Enoch was easy. As we look in this, we see that he's only seven generations down from Adam. As a matter of fact, he knew Adam 50, 60 some years. He had a relationship with Adam. He was his great, 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 great grandfather, if I had that right. 
And so you may think it was easy, that it was all a panacea, it was all great, just a few generations after the garden. But it's interesting, there's another seven generations down on Adam's tree, going down the line of Cain. This was about a man named Lamech. And I want to read to you what Dr. Eric Watkins says about Lamech. He said he was proud and boastful, exalted himself. Again, this is Enoch's contemporary. He was a kingdom builder, though of the worst kind. His singular goal was to glorify and enjoy himself. His loud, self-exalting claim to have killed a man in Genesis 4 makes that perfectly clear. He's Cain perfected, so to speak, as seen in his voice. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, he said himself, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. Lamech, by his own proclamation, is ten times as proud, self-righteous, and murderous as Cain. Lamech has sworn to take the law into his own hands and execute judgment as though he were God. Lamech, the seventh son of Adam, is truly in the line with the seed of the serpent. So the point is this. There are two types of men. One who's all about himself, pleasing himself, totally unconcerned with the things of God. And the other type of man, not Lamech, Enoch, is a man who's saved and knows what holiness is and that that's his primary goal. And that anything that would get in the way with his walk with God, he would detest and remove it. His relationship with God was far too important. Men, again, I'm coming at you. Women, you can listen because it's true of you. Which type of person are you? Are you that self-absorbed man who just wants to prove your manliness and your macho-ness and your own pride? Or are you a Enoch more worried about the holiness and the things of God? Is your career, your hobbies, your goals, your wants, your wishes a laugh at that off-color joke Living a life as a bit on the edge, is that what you're looking for? Or are you an Enoch type of person who's so amazed that God has saved you, so, so appreciative of God's saving grace in your life that you love him so much, he is so much a delight in your life that you just want to please him, not to be saved, but because you are saved. There are so many things that could detract us. But those who walk with God are more and more uncomfortable about the things that take us away from God. Every sin is a fruit of being weary with God, John Owen, the Puritan, said. Charles Spurgeon is to have said that when we, uh, when we sin, we are just absolutely unhappy with where God has us. We're dissatisfied with God. That sounds familiar to me. It sounds a little bit about like the garden. You remember the serpent saying to Adam and Eve, hey, uh, isn't God kind of a killjoy? Isn't he wanting to rob you of something? Aren't you dissatisfied with him? You see, when we sin, that's, that's where it comes. But John Owen goes on in his book, The Mortification of Sin, says that we should be killing sin or it will be killing you. We should be killing sin or it will be killing us. Let no man think to kill sin with few easy gentle strokes, Owen writes. He who hath once smitten a serpent, if he follow not out his blow until he has been slain, may repent that he ever began the quarrel. And so who undertakes to deal with sin, pursues it 
not constantly to death. In other words, John Owen is saying, you've got to keep fighting it. There's something more that we need to see before we leave Genesis 5. It says that he had sons and daughters. During this time, he had a very big family and nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters. And his life was busy. And there was, we already have seen there's temptation on every side. But Enoch says something to us. It says that it's possible to walk with God in the midst of all of that. Oh, I, I hear people, and I, I've said this myself, we're, we're too busy. The family demands are too much to, to be concerned about the things of the Lord, to get into church, to, to be uh, attending a Bible study, to read your Bible, to pray. We're just too busy. Enoch was a million times busier than us. But yes, he was consistent and persistent in his walk with God because it meant everything to him. He delighted in God. He wanted to go where God was taking him. He wanted to live in the direction that God was leading him. He did so in spite of all of this. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says he was commended for pleasing God. Second, Enoch witnessed for God. In the last book of the Bible is Revelation, but right before that, there's a little book called Jude. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Jude chapter 14. It's the second place in our scriptures that we see Enoch. Uh, Genesis is, is one, and Jude is another, and then Hebrews is the other. There are three places Enoch is mentioned. And in verse 14, there's only one chapter in Jude. It says, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they've committed in such an ungodly way. You get the point. Ungodly is the key. And all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Verse 16, They are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires, they are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. There's a temptation, brothers and sisters, to think that we're living in the worst of days. Oh, it couldn't get any worse. Sin's more rampant. Sin's unraveled. Sin's, sin is worse now than ever. We're tempted to think that our world is as bad as it's ever been. Or maybe we're tempted to think uh, the other way, that our world is as better than it's ever been. But if we're students of biblical history, the truth is the world today, sin and sinful people are really no different than they were in Enoch's day or the prophet's day, or the day of Jesus, or in our day. Now, it's true that sin becomes more clearer to us, I think. But, but look at what Jude says. In ungodliness, in an ungodly ways, ungodly sinners, there were people who were grumblers, malcontents. Those are people who are dissatisfied and rebellious. Loudmouth people, people who showed favoritism. I... I I just want to pause here, and, and I want you to remember that this is Genesis 5, and all of this is going on, and we get to Genesis 6 and 7, and what do you see? That things became so bad that God did what? Do you remember? He destroyed the world. The point that Jude is writing about Enoch is he was a counter-cultural character. He was a counter-cultural character. He was a man who was living counter-culturally. He walked the talk. 
His, he had credibility. He had street tread because his actions matched his faith or his faith matched his actions. What he talked about is how he walked. His faith was impacting his life. Enoch was a witness to the world around him. He was a witness to his family. We're on this journey through the halls of biblical portraits. And so Enoch, being the biblical man, we see some things. And, and again, man, I, I'm trying to encourage you lovingly. And, and, and man, am I speaking to myself. But let's camp here for just a moment. Enoch was a witness for Christ. He was a witness to the world around him. He was living counterculturally. But he was a witness to his family. Your witness for Christ, for your family, is up to you, men. If you're saved by God's design, you're the spiritual leader of your family. You're the primary communicator of the gospel for your family, to your children. Is it any doubt that the one tapped by God to bring salvation to the world in Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9 is the great, great grandson of Enoch, Noah? I, I, I just can't imagine the conversations that Enoch had with Noah and, and even his father. And We have a responsibility, every one of us who call the name of Christ, to be his witnesses. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive the Holy Spirit so you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. One of the beginning marks of a saved person is the grace that they have and the burden that they have for the lost, the unconverted. I hear people talk about those people, the sinners, I hear people, and I, I, I fall and pray to it myself, speaking to people who are living contrary to God as if they didn't matter, as if they, they just were, I mean, we say things like they're dumb or they're stupid or they're evil, and we, we just, but, but does it break our hearts? Enoch preached and prophesied. Yes, he was most likely a, a street preacher, but he was fulfilling what all of us as followers of Jesus, should do. He was telling, he was looking at someone who wasn't following God and he was doing so as, as someone who loved them and he was broken for them. I want to take a rabbit trail. Some people say, oh, I, I can't talk to another person about their faith. That, that's just not in me. You're not here, so you can't throw anything at me. But my dear friends, one of two things is true. If you can't talk to someone else about their faith, either you really don't believe it yourself, because we talk about everything else. We talk about our friends with everything. I mean, let's take a controversial figure, President Trump. You can get four or five people in a room and they don't mind telling you what they think about him, good or bad, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. They don't care if somebody hates them for sharing their political view. But, but yet you don't want to talk about 
this life-giving faith of Jesus, the one that you're delighting in, you're somehow embarrassed? That's, it doesn't make sense to me. Or secondly, you're more fearful of obeying man. You're more fearful of man than obeying Christ. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. If you knew where the vaccine for the coronavirus was this morning, what would you do? Well, all of you, everybody watching would go tell everybody. You would give it to everybody that you knew because you want this whole thing to be over. You want this whole deal that we're living in to be done with. But the coronavirus is nothing compared to the thing that will destroy the soul, our sin, a life without God. As I was working on this message, I, I was thinking about, about how Enoch was being probably ridiculed and mocked for his, his witness for, for God. And I thought, why are we so scared? We would tell anybody what we think about a controversial political figure or where to go get a vaccine. But when the cure for sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ, we clam up. Dear brothers and sisters, that's not what we're supposed to do. The cure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who cares if you're mocked and ridiculed for your faith? They crucified Jesus so he could save you. Maybe a little bad mouth and, and a little bit of persecution wouldn't hurt us. I'm praying that St. Louis Crossing could be a faithful witness for Christ. Enoch walked with God. He witnessed for God and he went to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 again says, By faith he was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Enoch walked with God. He was not, and God took him. This is the most unusual passages. There was a man who was living and walking with God and witnessing for God, and then all of a sudden, God just took him. He just transported him. Another way of this translation is being translated. He was translated into heaven. He was not there. Enoch points us to Christ in this way. He was taken into the presence of God because he pleased God. Jesus, this describes Jesus in the Gospels it, God the Father speaks of Jesus this way. This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus pleased God by coming, and he died to save us, and God was pleased for what he did, and that's why we have salvation. But Enoch not only points us to Christ, but he teaches us something else. He encourages those of us who believe that if we walk by faith with God in our life, that we can be assured of being in God's presence. The Bible says that we all we will all die unless there's a third one added to the list of Elijah and Enoch. There's a day coming for all of us, whether at the return of the Lord when he comes in the air or the end of our life, we will meet the Lord. In other words, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death itself. Now, there's two ways we'll end up. It appears that 
That's what God's demonstrating to the world in Genesis 5. I, I think that God's making a point to Lamech and to everybody else who is unrepentant and unconverted. There's the way of Lamech, ignoring the Lord, living your own life, reveling in the ungodly, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. There's, there's a way of living to please yourself. And that's going to end in your destruction, dear friends. The Bible's clear. Then there's the way of Enoch, walking by faith, witnessing for God. And at the end of your life, you will be ushered in the presence of the Lord God himself. Enoch points us to a time when we'll meet the Lord, when we'll step out of this life here on earth into the life of eternity, walking by faith. It seems like we want to avoid death. As a matter of fact, there's a message coming sometime soon about that. I don't know when, but we're, we just don't even want to talk about death anymore. It's just anything we can do to keep it away from us. But even in our own congregation, one of our members says that you'll die between Sunday school lessons. We're all going to die. And my dear friends, I've come to realize more and more that this earth is not my home. We are just pilgrims traveling through. We're sojourners, the Bible says. And we're going to a promised land, to a promised rest. And that is possible by faith, exercised in repentance in Jesus Christ. So, dear friends, are you saved? Are you walking with God? If not, I, I, I don't know how God does that, but why not right now, this moment, just, just literally Surrender your life, bow your knee, throw your arms up, say, God, I can't save myself. You must save me. Make no doubt about it today. Or number two, if you, if you are, if you are saved, stop worrying about the, the uncertainty of the day. Stop worrying about the, the world going crazy in sin. Just start walking with God day by day, getting in his word, praying with him, being around fellow Christians, encouraging one another onward, witnessing for Christ wherever you can. And then finally, one day, you'll go to God. And man, I'm longing for that. Aren't you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Enoch and his witness to us, his encouragement to us. I pray that this message will bear fruit. And I pray, Lord, that in the medium of virtual, of virtual messages, that you, you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would reach out and encourage hearts and convict hearts and change us so we can, Lord, know what it means to please you. Help us, Lord, to walk as saved people, witness as saved people, and Lord, when we walk into your presence, may we cry, worthy is the Lamb that saved us, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. I'd like to share with you a benediction from Jude. It's at the end. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Have a fantastic Lord's Day.